0: Stories, real
1: stories from
0: real midwives. This is Head On View.
1: day, day, day in the life. <laughs> she said, "What? These are our stories." Hi, and welcome to another episode of Head On View. I'm Carly. I'm Laura. And we have got a couple of guests of us today. So we have got Grace and Erin. So this one is for all the nurses out there. So Grace and Erin, if you'd like to introduce yourself and just tell us a bit about what you do.
2: Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Grace. I'm 25. Um, I'm a registered nurse and registered paramedic. I'm currently working in both fields and I have been nursing for almost three years and paramedicine almost a year full-time.
0: I'm 27, started in 2014, so seven and a half years
1: in total and an RN for nearly five, four and a half-ish years. We don't meet many people who are paramedics and nurses like normally it's one or the other so to do that did you do the double degree nurse in paramedicine
2: so i did the dual degree so it was four years full time and yeah got both degrees so instead of doing them separately three years each i just combined them and did four
1: do you find it quite hard even in basic terms like rosters trying to organize like two rosters from two different places
2: yeah so at the moment I'm nursing casually and I'm working in paramedicine full time. I usually work my nursing roster based on my paramedicine roster and I try to you know space it out so I don't sort of overwork myself but my boss for nursing is very understanding which is great so she's yeah she's really flexible with my shifts.
0: How did
3: you guys meet in nursing?
0: We we met in nursing. We both met in our unit at the same, like, two years ago,
2: maybe? Yeah, about, yeah. yeah maybe 18 roughly, months ago. Yeah. Uh, so we both work in coronary care.
1: You know, it's funny because I just expected if you were a paramedic, I just assumed you would be doing ED nursing because I figured that would sort of fit in.
2: Yeah, a lot of people do think that I would do ED nursing. I have done some shifts there in placement, but CCU is definitely more my style. It's more organized and I prefer the organization of it compared to ED. I find ED a little bit chaotic for me.
3: be a paramedic these days would be crazy. Insane, right? Yes. I feel like that would be if- crazier than ED. Maybe it's not. I've never worked in either area, so... <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's crazy at the moment, especially with COVID. I mean, you usually just have the one patient um, unless you go to a multi-casualty kind of incident. So, yeah, I think ED, you'd be be on your feet and really busy all the time.
1: I was just going to say, how do you find scope of practice? Do you ever feel you're doing something in sort of either role and you're like, oh, yeah, I could do this, but then you're like, oh, no, wait, as a, you know, paramedic, I wouldn't do this. This is what a nurse would do or sort of vice versa?
2: Sometimes, definitely, throughout uni with placements and stuff, it was um, a bit of a, a bit hard to navigate. That now working in both fields, it's easier to sort of understand the scope for each. So I don't get as confused as I used to as a student. But um, yeah, sometimes it can be like, ooh, that's a nursing thing.
3: I know a para- paramedic, and she said that they don't get taught how to do venipuncture, but you can cannulate. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct. So um, yeah. as a paramedic, I don't take blood I just yeah cannulate
3: it's interesting it's like I should not say it's the same thing because I can't cannulate I'm terrible at it but I can take blood really well (laughs) yeah you want to cannulate instead of taking blood like what are you going to take blood for there's no pathology around so
2: yeah Yeah. that's right it's more pre-hospital so I'll take blood when when we come off to hospital yeah
3: Are you as scared of childbirth as most paramedics say they are?
2: I haven't really thought about it too much, to be honest.
3: Paramedics, I know, are always saying to me that they're terrified every time they get a call about a woman in labor or something. They're like, no, don't take it. (laughs) To us, it's normal. To you, it's not so normal.
1: Erin, I just wanted to talk to you about transitioning from an EN to an RN. So when you became a nurse, were, was it always a goal to be an RN or were you just like, oh, try this EN business out? And then we're like, oh, no, actually, I, yeah. More so the trying it out thing.
0: Um, I was suggested by a family member that I should try it out, basically, was how I started. And I was doing not exactly the same role, but pretty similar, I guess. Just getting paid less. <laughs> um, but I, I thought that at the time, and then once I actually became an RN, I realised it's very different.
3: As an enrolled nurse, what like what's the main, and forgive me for not knowing because I'm straight midwifery trains, but an enrolled nurse is like someone who you can't, is it like you can't give certain medications or...?
0: Uh, it is a little more limited, um, it depends, the scope was a little bit different where we were working compared to other hospitals, but a lesser scope than a registered nurse. In general wards, I feel like the scope is similar clinically, it's, there's just no being in charge and no like that sort of difference. Coronary care, it's a bit different because with our scope, um, the difference between our ENs and our RNs is that they can't look after inotropes and more of the complex cases, I guess, isoprenoid and dopamine and all of those, you know, external pacing and that sort of stuff that Sounds difficult already.
1: <laughs> do you think if you had your time again, do you think you'd still do that same route, go like E-N and then R-N? Or do you think now you'd be like, oh no, I'd just get it all out the way? Mm, I think I would still go the same way
0: because when I started, I was 18 and a bit green. And yeah. I feel like I that responsibility may not have been taken as well at a young age because I was leaving school pretty much so I would do it
1: the same way yeah definitely and do you guys want to tell us a little bit about CCU nursing because Laura I'm a midwife and a nurse but I am majority midwifery based so often when nurses talk about specialties and they say CCU and we're like oh yeah all right but really we we, we don't really have a clue what that means or what you do so do you want to give us a little like in simple terms <laughs>
2: Okay. How do we describe this? Um, Okay, so our CCU is the biggest in the Southern Hemisphere, so we're very, very big, and we're very, very busy. Um, We look after obviously majority of the time the cardiac patient, so people who have arrhythmias or need pacemakers, or who have blockages in their heart that need stenting. We also look after – our ward also has a couple of negative pressure rooms, so we do look after respiratory patients from time to time, so TB, suspected COVID. um, BiPAP. Yeah, BiPAP we do quite often. And then with that, as I said, the majority being cardiac patients, they do also have covid so we will see – obviously respiratory patients, we'll see patients who are diabetic, who have had a knee replacement close to a pacemaker being inserted. So we do get a layover between the cardiac aspect and then also sometimes surgical and then a, a medical patient as well. Um, so while it is majority focused around cardiac, it is, it is quite good to have that mix between surgical and medical. We also uh, uh, sometimes take ICU patients. So if our ICU uh, has too many patients and they can't fit them into our ICU, they will come to us in CCU and we are able to care for them as a bit of a step-down ward. So we will get so many different surgical Mm -hmm. presentations coming down Mm -hmm. to us as well. As,
1: as ICU outliers. Uh, what's your normal patient ratio? Because ICU is normally like one to one. And then, but if you're on a ward, it's normally one to four. So are you guys in between that somewhere? Morning shift is one to three.
0: Afternoon and night shift is one to four. If we get an ICU step down, we'll get one, generally one CCU patient, one ICU patient. So one to two.
1: How did you guys find yourself in CCU? Was this always a sort of a ultimate goal like you know when you were studying and did you work in this area and be like oh this is great or did you just sort of end up here?
0: So when I was an enrolled nurse um, our current boss was my facilitator and I did a rotation on a vascular ward in our hospital and I just happened to be dropping a patient off from Angio, which is right next to her office and she asked asked
2: me if I wanted a job and the rest is history. It was not what I knew, it was who I knew. I had just returned from interstate working as a paramedic and I went back to the hospital and I was actually working as a pool nurse. Um, so I was going to all different wards every day and not having one sort of set place to call home. I have always wanted to go into ICU actually because I did quite a lot of ICU placements as a student and I really loved it and I tried to speak to the uh, nurse unit manager in ICU at at our hospital, but every time I went, she was never available. And then I had a student one day whose wife actually worked in CCU and he said, oh, give me your number and I'll pass it along. Um, And so the CCU num uh, gave me a call and I went down to see her and she adopted me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. so um so that's kind of how I fell into CCU and I'm really really glad that it happened that way and that I didn't go down the ICU route um because I love CCU so much
3: take us through like day-to-day what you do on a shift I mean and I know there's like millions of nurses out there that are like what of course we know what you do I don't know what you do not yeah. a clue what you do
0: <laughs> uh, usually we do 12 hours Any given day, we can have someone going for a procedure, whether it's an NGO or an ablation or something of the sort. We could have someone who we're going to cardiovert on the ward, and then we'll just get them up like a normal ward routine in the morning, get them showered, get them ready for their procedure if they're going, and then just look after them post-procedure, I guess. I don't really know if that covers it. There's a lot (laughs) Of different things, but...
2: Yeah, so yeah. we usually either 7 till 7.30 or 7 till 3.30 um, and the night shifts, yeah, so 7pm till 7.30am um, mm-hmm. or <laughs> eleven pm till 7am. And, and yeah, as Erin said, we'll usually have someone going off for a procedure to the cath lab, which is just attached to the CCU um, we work in, or they will cardiovert them or, you know, do the procedure on the ward. And as she said, like, we will get them ready in the morning, showered, do their obs, do a mid-round um, at about 8 o'clock, get them set up for breakfast, that kind of thing. And then I personally use a shift planner, so I'll mm. sort of know what's what's going to happen for my day, hopefully. I always fill in that with great intentions.
1: Is it very routine in terms of, because I know... In midwifery, we might do, once they're you know postnatal a day or so, it's like, oh, I do OBS twice a day, no particular time, just when you can fit it in when they're awake. And I know sometimes we we'll have like nurses, like when we're really short stuff, we'll have like a registered nurse come up and they'll be like, great, okay. So OBS at six and, and I'll be like, what are you doing? Don't wake them up. Don't, they've been up all night breastfeeding <laughs> a baby. Don't <laughs> wake <guess>. them up. <laughs> Is it very regimented oh. that you're normally like OBS at a certain time, meds at a certain time? 4th hourly on the dot. We will we will wake them up at midnight. We we you know we try not to wake them, but they will generally wake up.
2: If we have diabetic patients, we will do generally QID blood sugars. So, what breakfast seven o'clock, lunch midday, pre dinner at five, pre bed at nine o'clock and, then and then two a.m, 2 a.m. <laughs> so they they do unfortunately get woken up quite a bit and mm-hmm. it is not a very restful place most of the time no
3: how many shifts a week do you do like this are you like three or four shifts a week or three shifts if it's 12 hours
2: three 12 week for me yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah
2: when I was part-time I was working 32 a week so three days a week um yeah. and then pick more around that if i mm. wanted to
1: have you found with covid anything's changed in nursing or paramedicine because i know down in victoria the paramedics were having to suit up and wear like the full ppe when they were going out was that the same up in brisbane well we have to wear our
0: our gown and our n95 and our face shield so it's probably very similar the people that we get swabbed would go into our negative pressure rooms but Prior to all of start of all of all that, we all had to get tested and everything to um, get the right mask that had the right seal. and You have to keep masks. getting tested for
3: that. I've been tested like four times mm-hmm. and each time I like nearly pass out. They're like, oh, you're one of them. Well, thank you. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Yeah. when I was working in the state as a paramedic, when COVID hit, it was um, initially full, you know, hazmat suit kind of looking. Thing. um it would have changed into just a, a regular gown and in terms of cleaning like it was a lot of cleaning the ambulance so if we had a suspected COVID patient we would decontaminate the entire truck once we were finished in Queensland it's, it's fairly much the same procedure um, so decontaminating the truck full PPE for a suspected Covid patient, and then, um, as they're said, for the nursing side, disinfected PPE, and then um, yeah, yearly
1: Covid test. Something like I've always wondered: Do you have to do pass a sort of driving skill test to drive an ambulance, or is it just free for all? Just you've got your license, you can go.
2: So you have to have a manual license and yet yeah, there's, there's definitely driver training, so a week of day training and you learn lots of different things, um, different techniques, um, how to drive obviously through traffic for a code one, how to drive appropriately to road conditions um, and that that kind of thing. So yeah, it is quite, quite strict in terms of the driving and you are assessed thoroughly before you are let loose in an ambulance.
3: <laughs> how fast are you allowed to go?
2: So for uh, Code 1, which is lights and sirens, cardiac arrest, car crash, things like that, um, it is generally under 20Ks over. So if the limit is 80, you would be fine to do 90 or 100, but anything over that would be considered negligent. And obviously, depending on the road condition, so if it's raining, you wouldn't be doing 100. So And then for Code 2s and Code 3s, just a regular speed limit. And you can't speed.
1: Do you get assigned a regular because you work in twos, right? So do you get assigned a regular partner you work with or is it just you get on shift and then this is who's rostered on?
2: So you are rostered with a partner. Um, so depending on how long you're together for is uh, sometimes a month, sometimes two months. If they happen to call in sick or they're not on shift, you will be paired with Um, someone you might not know. But generally, yeah, you're partnered up with somebody for a few months
1: at a time. So we all know when you work in nursing hospitals, often there's people, you know, like any workplace. So there's people you love, people you get on with great, and there's people you're like, oh God, I've got to work with them today. What happens if if you are assigned one of those as your partner, in, as a paramedic, because then you're stuck with them for a month.
2: Yeah, look, it, it can be hard sometimes. There definitely are a lot of personalities in both fields. Um, being in a truck with somebody for 10 to 12 hours a day, four days a week, you see them more than your family most of the time. So it can be really challenging to work with different people. I think finding common ground is probably the way to go. Um, I always try to build a rapport with the person I'm working with and find a common interest. And, and you, you are bound to have um, disagreements sometimes, but at the end of the day, it's my job and I don't have to live with them. I just have to do my best, work with them, collaborate with them and then go home at the end of the day. So um, you, you find a way to make it work.
1: Do you get to choose who drives or is it is one person like allocated the driver or are you like, no, I want to drive today?
2: You will generally have one person as the patient care for the first job um, and they will sit in the passenger seat and then you will have the, as I say, secondary officer driving and then they will um, assist the, the patient care paramedic, but you obviously both patient care and then for the next job generally you will swap the role some people do prefer to do all of the jobs for the first half of the shift and then the other person will do all of the jobs for the second half of the shift but regardless of how you sort of do the patient care role you you're both going to be assessing the patient and collaborating together and that kind of thing anyway so um yeah it just depends on the person really and, and how you feel working with your partner
3: How do you guys go having a life outside of these? It sounds very busy. I mean, not like we're not busy. I mean, I'm busy. I I work 0.8 and I've got two children and, you know, two dogs, which are harder than the children. But, you know, I'm busy, but my job is not as hard as yours. I feel like, do you have a social life? Are you, are you like awake enough to have a social life?
0: (laughs) Yeah, we still have social lives. The 12 hours do tend to, it does take a, maybe a day or two to recover, but it's four days a week off. So there's kind of that compromise, I guess. But you yeah. guys don't have children, but adults. yeah. Yeah, we still go out and (laughs)
3: have social lives. Well, you're young, I guess. Like, I'm thinking of it from my age. I sound tired because I'm older than you,
0: but that's (laughs) because...
3: You know kids do age you a little bit <laughs> yeah
0: plus shift work yeah shift work, mm. and
3: shift yeah. work yes mm. so definitely
2: mm. Do have lives it is it is a balance of you know work and, and social life and i find having that balance is really important for me mm. um yeah so yeah i will see erin outside of work i'll see our other friends outside of work i'll see different friends outside of work mm. Just trying to create that work-life balance is really yeah. important. It has to be intentional. Yeah, it does. Yes.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, very, it's very difficult. I find a lot of the younger nurse midwives that I work with, like they'll pick up extra shifts, they'll do doubles, they'll do this, they'll do that. And I'm like, you mm-hmm. not do it. Because when you do have children and you want to get back into, you know, have your first child and you take some maternity leave and then you go back, it's really difficult for a lot of girls to, get back into the same amount of work that they used to do because you just you can't you can't do it anymore because you're sleep deprived
1: (laughs) I think all shift workers are sleep deprived (laughs) exactly but it's
3: so different when you have a dependent so I'm always like saying to girls like don't find a balance
0: it sounds like you girls have a good balance which is really nice to hear (laughs) yeah one of you friends at work who do Overtime and doubles, and they've recently started nursing. So, we have tried to warn them against it as well.
1: Yeah, and I get it. It's hard. Like, everywhere, everywhere is short staffed. You know, cause I, I travel midwife, so I work across, well, wherever takes me but yeah just everywhere I go it's like not it's not a thing to like one hospital like every state every hospital everywhere is understaffed and people are doing doubles and overtime and picking up extra shifts and it's just insane and at some point I guess you know it's going to get to the point where everyone's like I can't yeah do this anymore we've lost midwives at my work just purely because when it came to COVID
3: and then vaccinations and they're maybe a little bit older. They were just like, no, that's it, I'm done. And they've left the profession entirely. And it's yeah. really sad because I know the ones that have left are like incredibly knowledgeable and amazing midwives and we really could use them. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, the, the workforce is becoming very junior at my hospital. I'm yeah. Not really, not really in the area of domiciliary where I work, which is mercy at home, which, you know, you have to be like four or five years out to work in it. So most of us are senior, but yeah. like the poor ward, I feel so bad because it's all these grads coming in. I don't know what to do. It's all very junior workforce at the moment, like everywhere a little bit frightening
1: future aspirations ladies where do you kind of see yourself sticking in the same areas or are there other places where you're like actually i would be really interested in trying that out i've had a long hard think about this one um
0: because my boss has recently started to try to get me to
1: start shift leading and get more into the cn role when you say cn role what do you mean by that as in like that's clinical nurse is that right yeah so more in charge um yeah
0: we have a role in the ward called floating so that person is this like they assist with the procedures on the ward and go to all the met calls on the wards so that's i guess more of what the clinical nurses do so at the moment
1: that's that's the aspiration for now. Is that sort of partly educational based as well? Would you find you'll be like taking on like students? Yeah we, we both um, take on students anyway but that
0: leaves the clinical nurse role gives us the opportunity to go into educator roles and um, student facilitators and grad facilitators so that's kind of where I want to go with it for me personally. Yeah
3: more like an education
0: clinical education side yeah but you have to be really
3: you have to be very patient and (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) you have to know how to explain things as well there's one one thing knowing how to do something but being able to explain it so a student can learn or grad can learn completely different so I think that's great
2: I'm (laughs) pretty much the same I I would like to go back into nursing part-time um I think that's where my life goals are at the moment to, um, to go to more towards the nursing side of things. I am not sure about becoming a CN just yet. I'm, I'm happy being an RN for the moment, just seeing how that goes. But um, in the future, I would love to go into education. Um, I love having students. I'm really, really passionate about looking after them um, and supporting them at the start of their careers. So for me, I would love to teach at either take the university um, or even as Erin said be a facilitator at the hospital just because I'm yeah so passionate about making sure that they are supported mm-hmm. when they're starting out
1: do you get students and um, paramedic students as well so they come and ride along with you on a shift
2: yeah, yeah, definitely. So um,
1: there's there's always
2: quite a lot, actually. Um, there's a lot of people studying paramedicine. So, yeah, you'll definitely get students coming through on their placement blocks paired up with them um, from time to time, um, which is which is really good because it helps you keep your clinical knowledge up as well um, and then trying to support them um, with their learning. I know they're all the ambulance, like Ambulance Victoria,
3: ambul- like I think it's all different factions. Um, do you guys have the same what's the word, difficulties that it seems like Ambulance Vic have with staffing and overtime and ramping up at hospitals and you've got the same, okay.
2: <laughs> there are similar issues across a lot of services. Um, they do overlap. So ramping is probably the biggest one we find. It's Yeah, it's it's quite a big issue everywhere. But, yeah, there's always issues like staffing and, um, yeah, that sort of thing, like shifts not being filled and whatnot, and I'm not sure sort of how that would be addressed. Um, There's a few different ways. But, yeah, as a general statement, there definitely are similar issues across multiple services for sure.
3: Hmm. Odd question. It's something I've always wanted to know. But you know how like in nursing, it's definitely in mid as well, but sometimes students don't get treated the best. And I know historically, you know, I think we've done an episode on bullying and how like nurses eat their young, you know, all this sort of talk about how not everyone is always that nice or you've given a preceptor and the preceptor is just shit at their job and they don't want to be a preceptor. Is it the same in ambulance as nursing? Like I'm more familiar with it in nursing, but I've never... I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to be a student stepping into an ambulance where you're seeing trauma, and you know. So, is it the same? Do you feel like
2: it? Paramedicine has yeah. the same issues. It, it is a very vulnerable position to be in, being a student, and you're right. Like seeing those kinds of things, um, being exposed to that on the front line, and um, things that you you know you would never normally see on a day to day basis. You can definitely get some some strong personalities, and. There are definitely people who don't like learning students um, yep. and same as nursing, um, people who yeah, don't, don't want to um, assist your learning at all. But for, for the most part, most people are pretty supportive, Be, but you will definitely get the old one who, who isn't um, and has no interest in helping you. And yeah, that sort of a, eat your young mentality. So like at Midwifery, we really had, I don't know if Carly felt the
3: same, but I felt we really had to earn our stripes.
1: Yeah, yes. yes no, and I, I hate that feeling, you know. Um, yeah, it's a horrible feeling. Yeah, horrible. You have to grow a backbone
3: in healthcare. Yeah, one hundred percent. And then I think when you get to a certain stage, and nursing, paramedicine, like across any healthcare, like medical students, you just get to a certain stage where you're, you know, six or seven years out, and. You can tell someone to fuck off if you don't like them.
2: Yeah, you That's... don't want to rock the boat too much when you're um, when you're new, but you, you definitely you find your feet and you learn some confidence over there. The, yeah. the years girls at work are used to you, saying, yeah. No, I don't
3: yourself. want to do that. No, I'm not interested in doing that. No, yeah. don't
1: <laughs> ask me again. Do you girls have any advice for if there's people thinking about getting into to nursing or paramedicine?
2: I guess my advice is kind of the same for both. Roles is always get in and give it a go. We were all in the same boat and we all started somewhere. You know, do your best. That's all you can do. Study as much as you can with, you know, making sure you have a work-life balance mm-hmm. and um, reach out for support if you need it. So whether that's friends or family, um, other nurses that you're on shift with, um, other paramedics you're on shift with, um, making sure that you sort of look after yourself as you progress through your studies. And then onto your career. So that's probably my, my advice.
0: I'm very similar. I think a lot of those things as well. Um, the main one that I tell my students at the moment is just I've noticed a big difference in the ones who are scared to talk to patients versus the ones who aren't. So I always give advice to my students just to communicate with them. It just makes a difference
1: to the patient's day, really, I've found. So that's been my motto through my whole career. So I definitely get what you were saying earlier about you know, coming fresh out of school and becoming a nurse at 18. So I did my nursing midwifery degree a bit later in life. I did um, an arts degree at 18. So <laughs> I can I can imagine at like 18 having, yeah, like having the responsibility of, you know, looking after people and newborn babies and that, yeah, there's no way I would have done it and all the work and the, you know, the unpaid placement hours. Oh, actually, is that the same for, um, for parents? paramedicine so for nursing mid we you know just worked weeks and weeks on end full time where you get no money no pay as a student is that something that you have to do in paramedicine as well yeah exactly the same um
2: so you will have a placement box depending on the university will determine how long your blocks are so you would be between um two to eight weeks generally but yes it is the same it is unpaid and you are on shift full-time um, unless you do a model placement and just do you know a shift per week over a semester but for medicine it's done in blocks unpaid
1: it's <laughs> crazy isn't it to yeah. think that we all did that right? yeah. when you went from an en to an rn did you have to then do placement as well or were you like well you know i'm kind of half qualified already or
0: yeah, I did, um, so you get a, I got a year off at uni, which was, the second year was straight into placements, and I was working point Eight as an EN while I was studying full time, um, and my blocks were ah. four weeks. And in the same, all all unpaid as well? I took my leave at half pay to kind of scratch it out a little bit, <laughs> but yeah. Um, Yeah, it was all annual leave and I just didn't
1: take holidays
0: so that I could use my leave on placement for those two years.
1: But otherwise, if you didn't have leave, you're you're still doing it. I always feel like apprentices. Like if you're an apprentice electrician, you go and get... I don't know, I think not very much money, but I, yeah, but it's better than nothing. But you get paid something. Cool. So, anyway, I was just going to say thank you so much for chatting to us. It's been really enlightening because across, I find across midwifery, nursing, there's so many different varied roles that if you say oh i'm a nurse and you could be doing a totally different to someone else like a totally different job to someone else who's a nurse so it's just really great to get these insights into other people's roles and what they do
2: thank you so much for having us we've really loved having a chat to you guys and getting to know what you guys do and sharing what we get to do too
0: And be sure to tune in next time for more laughs, thrills and real stories from real midwives on Head On View.
1: I didn't know it was still recording.